The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. I'll tell you what, few, if any, administrators in the country move the needle like Peter Volandis, and he continues to get under a lot of your skin. Cliff in Queenscliff, I just had to read this out. Cliff's gone with Volandis is an absolute pelican. His supposed national game is irrelevant beyond the East Coast. Pales in comparison to the AFL dominance in SAWA and all corners of the country. Keep them coming in. I'll sprinkle them throughout the rest of the show. Uh, Peter Volandis just upsetting a few this morning. Uh, we're going to talk NBL, NBA with Liam Santamaria, Andy Harper out of the back of the Matildas. The A-Leagues as well are both underway. Miles Fitzner will set us up for the Cox Plate and much more big weekend of racing. And Adam White is down at the Shield Clash. The Vicks and New South Wales just around the corner from us here at the MCG. That is still ahead of us thanks to McCaffrey, our official coffee partner. But right here on the Captain's Run, we're going to continue our countdown to the 2023 AFL Draft with one of the sharpest underage footy minds in the Cape. And now we opened up our conversation with Mick Ablett last week on a broad scale. Well, today we're going to drill into some specific players, perhaps the best midfielders in the pool and maybe a couple of late draft smokies that Mick might have his eye on. Mick, as we welcome you in, a great pleasure to have you back on. Good morning, Sam. Great to be here and morning to all the listeners out there. It's uh, time certainly flying by, mate, and it's only just around the corner now. What are we? Less than a month to go. I mean, these are nervous times and they've got to sit their exams for good measure, a lot of these kids. I did see the English exam, which whoa, sent a shiver up my spine back in the day, was on this week. <laughs> yeah, you're certainly right, mate. It uh, wasn't a strong suit of mine either, the uh, the academic part of the world. But um, that's what I admire about these young fellas. They they just had such huge footballing journeys over the past 12 months, and juggling school exams and social media, and um, you know people coming after them these days for for autographs and the like. It's it's a huge amount of pressure on these young men and. The way they come out the other end and, and enter into AFL footy is uh, an absolute credit to them and a credit to the talent pathways and what what the staff involved in those programs are doing around the country. Yeah, and when it comes to someone like Harley Reid, he's had to navigate all of that and, of course, so much more in regards to where he might be playing and what might be happening with the number one pick and the scrutiny. I think probably some recency bias, but I just can't recall it being as hot as what it uh, has been this year ever before. So if we're going to talk about the best midfielders in the pool for 2023 and the draft, Mick, I gather we go straight to the kid from the Bendigo Pioneers and, and Vic Country. Yeah, certainly not biased either, either Sam. He is the, the hype around this young fella. And when he landed here in WA to play in the under-18 national championships was like nothing I've ever seen. Mm. It's um, when, when you've got a when you've got to get somebody to get his bag off the carousel so that he can get to the bus and, and get away from the media, that is next level. Um, and like I say, like nothing I've ever seen before, but certainly warranted. He He's by far the best player in this draft. And that's it's by my, no means being disrespectful to, to anybody else. Um, he's a generational talent, and that is why the West Coast Eagles are going to ask somebody to sell the farm if they want to prize that pick away because in the stuff that I've seen of him, he's actually better at VFL level than what he was in his own age group. Um, especially when you look back to the game he played you know, for Essendon in the mm. VFL up there against Southport, he just he looked like a, a ready-made player. You sort of almost looked at him as someone that was coming back from injury that was a, a consistent, regular senior AFL player. He, he looked a class above him and 
Um, he certainly, wherever he lands, he's going to have a huge impact and going to have a very, very long, successful career. So, Mick, there'll be people listening to the Catmans run this morning who still haven't seen a second of Harley Reid play. You know, they'll be listening to the to people like you, and they'll be they'll be reading and they'll be following from afar. But for those who haven't actually seen the kid play, can you paint the picture for us? Yeah, the first time I sort of really had a close look at him was down at Geelong. Uh, would have been 12 months ago, or a little bit more, in the Under 18 Championships, and he was playing across half back as a 17 year old for Vic Country and. I literally sat there in awe and went, this is like watching Tom Stewart play. And when I look at that sort of rap and we hear the comparisons now, which I'll touch on in terms of the midfielders, but Tom Stewart's one of the absolute elite intercept halfbacks um, in modern times. And, And that's what he reminded me of. He just had all the time in the world, read the game beautifully, very, very strong overhead. And you know, and I kept getting told he's a better midfielder than what he is a halfback. And she's uh-huh. like, I can't wait to see this. And then he moved into the midfield and he's got that Jordan DeGoey type presence about him. He's he strength through his core, his ability to fend opponents off, stand up in tackles and, and just really burst through. He's got beautiful power in his kick. He gets forward. Uh, like I said, he, his overhead marking is a huge asset for him and you know, for a young fella at 185 centimetres, he's, he, he does. He has that Dustin Martin, Jordan Degoe type forward presence. Um, he's just a weapon in any area of the ground that he plays in. And personality-wise, what are we dealing with here, do you think? It was said that he handled all these interviews with, you know, no fuss. He's laid back. He's composed. Nothing seems to phase him. And he's had to put up with a lot, as we, as we just touched on. What about the person? I think he's got a great personality. I've heard him speak a few times and, and I've spoken to a number of people that were close to the Vic Country camp who couldn't speak highly enough about him. They said at no stage has he got carried away with the hype around him, uh, never got a big head or anything like that. And I've listened to him do interviews where he's tongue-in-cheek spoke about, you know, the number he wants to wear. And I know he was on SEN in WA with, with Goss and Scotty and said that the number nine had looked pretty good on his back and, <laughs> and following the footsteps of Ben Cousins and, and Nick that Nui. And it, it's nice to see some genuine personality come through. Yep. Um, instead of, you know, occasionally we can get a bit robotic and that's no fault of the kids. It's sort of the way they're trained to be a little bit these days. But he's shown some real genuine personality. It's been refreshing and he'll make the transition really, really comfortably. Now, again, and we're speaking to Mick Ablett here, draft expert, counting down the 2023 draft, focusing on the midfielders amongst the 2023 contingent this year, Mick. Where does your eye and your mind take you next? I mean, Zane Dersma's uh, had a lot of publicity throughout the year. Colby McKerch is a real talent out of Tasmania as well. Um, where, do, where do you go next after Harley Reid? Yeah, you're spot on. Colby McKercher and Riley Sanders are the two that you'd expect um, to be taken next in the draft after Harley Reid. And both young fellas out of Tasmania. So um, I know I touched on it last week when we spoke, but for Tasmania to produce two likely top five or at least top six um, talent in the draft is remarkable. Those two boys have had incredibly successful seasons. You know, and then... To touch on a couple of guys that probably haven't had as much exposure, Darcy Wilson um, is another kid who I've got a lot of time for. He's Again, he's a similar size to Harley Reid at about 185 out of the Murray Bush Rangers. And he's he's just a, a really 
really smooth, professional-type moving player. Um, reminds you a little bit of like an Elliot Yo, I guess. Um, he's, he's, he was in the coach league team of the year at half forward, produced some outstanding results um, in his athletic testing at the combine and, and just does the simple things really well. So, you know, he's another one we're going to hear a bit about. And, and there's a, a, a real genuine bolter that's come through Sam in Charlie Edwards out of Sandringham. He's had a, a similar type journey to what Clayton Oliver did in his talent pathway experience where he wasn't part of, you know, the traditional under-16 national championships, under-18 national championships. He's actually come through uh, the Coach League program, private school football, but he's, uh, he's a very, very intelligent player, this kid, at 191 centimetres. Just his mouth around the stoppages. He's, he's a real handball first type of player. He's, he's in close. He's generally the first target around that, that part of the game where, where he gets in around the stoppages and distributes very, very effectively. So he's one that we haven't heard much about, but I can assure you we're going to hear a lot more about over the coming weeks. And, uh, and Caleb Windsor, who has started to, um, to really push up draft boards as well, I love this kid. The, the first time I saw him play, um, I was really taken by him. He's a, a young fella out of the, the Eastern Rangers. Mm. Um, and um, he reminded me a bit of Lockie Whitfield, to be honest. He's, he's got a little bit more speed than what Lockie's got but, um, and doesn't quite have, on the flip side, the endurance capabilities that Lockie Whitfield had. But he, uh, he's a, the type of player you want the ball in his hands and you want him kicking the ball because he just absolutely glides when he's in possession. And, um, and his ability to draw forwards into the footy when he's going inside 50 is as good as I've seen. Yeah, so there's a couple of different names, isn't there? Charlie Edwards, who you know might be picked in the 20s, and, and, and Windsor as well. Just looking at Charlie Edwards, though, Mick, he's 191 centimetres, so a healthy size for, for an on-baller, but he runs the 2K, uh, at least at the combine anyway, 6 minutes 24. What sort of time is that these days? When it, what, what is absolutely elite? What is solid? And what's just par for the course at the risk of putting you on the spot here? No, absolutely. It's a really, really sound time, 6.24. So that's certainly nothing to be sneezed at. What that shows us is he's extremely comfortable when it comes to the endurance type aspect of the game. And uh, and he'll he'll have no issues building on that as as time goes on. The winning time, to put it into perspective, was Tarkin O'Leary, who ran five minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, and a young man we just touched on, Darcy Wilson, was second in five minutes, 52. So Charlie Edwards' time um, of 6.24, you'd certainly be very, very comfortable if you're looking at a big, big-bodied midfielder, like, say, 191 centimetres, 85 kilos. Um, you know, he's, he's going to have no issues there taking the, the step at the mm. next level from a fitness perspective. And Darcy Wilson ran it in 5.52 and uh, tested really well for agility as well. Maybe top 10, second in that 2K time drop. 5.52 is absolutely flying, Mick. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I, I actually work with a guy that, um, that's a, a very, very high-quality runner. And when I rattled off some of the times to him, he sort of shook his head a little bit and said, <laughs> those boys... Exactly what you said, Sammy. You said those boys are absolutely flying. So it, the times seem to get quicker and quicker. The boys present better and better every year. And, you know, to be able to produce that sort of performance after 
a long, enduring season where they've played across a number of different teams and been expected to perform week in, week out. Um, it's just, it really is something you marvel at, especially for guys that are 17, 18 years of age. So McKercher, Sanders, Leak we've had on SEN as well, who's, while not, not a midfielder, just delving into Tassie for a moment. We don't think he's a midfielder. He might be everything. But... Uh, after a lot's been made of, I guess, the talent coming out of Tassie in recent times, they've got a few high-end picks out of the out of the Apple Bowl this year. Yeah, they have. They really have. And um, and as you mentioned, James Leake, I mean, he was another one that made the, the Coast League Team of the Year. Um, predominantly as, as more of a defensive type mm. player, James Leake, than, than a mid at the moment. But, um, you know, his aerial presence is outstanding. So I think I touched on... You know, Tazzy's role over time for the game to be healthy at AFL level, for the amount of players that are playing the game down there, you're expecting one, maybe two at most, um, to be taken each year out of that part of the world. And for them to, to have, you know, three guys that we're discussing being taken in the top 20 is um, is just an overachievement to the point that you can't you can't actually explain it to the general public. And... You know, it's great to see. It's great for the future of the game. We know Tassie are going to have a team in the AFL. And these guys that we talk about, when we talk about Colby McCurcher and Riley Sanders and, and James Leake, you'd be very, very nervous in a few years' time because they are going to be right in the hitting zone for the new Tassie team. And um, and I have got no doubt they'll be throwing the kitchen sink at, at those three guys in a few years' time. So... Um, you know, whoever does draft those players is going to have to keep them very, very happy and um, and make sure they want to stay in the market they're in because they'll come hard for um, for those highly talented players. Mick, uh, Rob's just texting while we're talking here and he says uh, Tom Stewart just called and he's honoured to be compared to Harley Reid. So so there you go. I, I guess there's, <laughs> there's just, just, just uh, I guess for the record here, there's no chance at all we're going to get the biggest curveball in uh, in draft history and Harley doesn't go number one, is there? I mean, th- there is that clear and identifiable gap between him and the rest, isn't there? Oh, there, there is. There's yeah. no, there is no way that can happen. I mean, can you imagine the pressure that would be put on the yeah. person that does go number one. We've heard a lot of talk around Jed Walter uh, from the Gold Coast Suns, who we'll touch on when we sort of, as we go through positional groups and saying that, look, he is someone that warrants being in the mix and, and discussed as being every bit deserving of pick one as what Harley Reid is. But uh, look, I, I'm happy to go on the record and say this kid is by far the best player in the 2023 draft. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's got cult hero written all over him or how high he'll go. There's one other midfielder, maybe slash forward at the Danny Nong Stingrays I wanted to ask you about, and that's Harry DiMattia. And I think I think he tested quite well as well, but he might be one of these kids who just interviews bloody well at the, at the same time. I think he's held some leadership positions in more recent times as well with Vic Country. So how are we to assess Harry, do you think? Yeah, you're spot on. He's a um, he's a lovely, lovely type of player. This kid, his power was was outstanding. He was ranked tenth in the twenty meter sprint with a time of two point nine nine six. So that's elite. Anyone that runs under three seconds in the twenty meter sprint is um, you know he's absolutely flying across that track. But he's just an attacking weapon. When he gets the footy and goes, he's off. And uh, and good luck catching him. He, he sets himself generally pretty defensively at centre bounces and and then tends to ride shotgun. So what I mean by that is once the ball goes up and he, he's got that ability to read it off the Ruckman's hand, 
and go through the contest at, at speed. So I, I think you'll see him feature on night one uh, in the draft. I think he's got a lot to offer. And, and if we don't hear his name called out in the first round, you won't have to wait long on night two before you hear Harry Dimitri's name. I love it. And Mick, there's one other midfield I wanted to ask you about. I'm just scrolling through, I guess, the physiology of some of these kids. And there's a kid out of the Rebels, George Stevens, who is a midfielder, but he's been listed at 189 centimetres and 100 kegs. So what sort of a player have we got here? Yeah, he's. I was actually uh, catching up with a friend of mine when they played over here in WA, sitting in the foyer of um, of the Vic Country Team Hotel, and he walked in with his dad, and I was absolutely taken away with how big he is. He, huge. He's huge. Um, and predominantly, we saw him play off half-back, and you now he's got elite leadership qualities, um, finds a lot of the footy, generally uses it pretty well. But, um, you know, we've also seen him push into the midfield where he, at 100 kilos, to be able to cover the ground and, and mm. to, to work as hard as what he does is, um, is something you've got to marvel at. And, you know, again, he's just got the right attitude. He's got an exceptional work ethic. And, and that's why I think we see the type of, of things that he can produce in the midfield because he just wills himself to get from contest to contest. So, you know, he's going to add great value to whatever club he goes to. And, and like I said, he's a very mature type of person, very well put together. And, um, you know, I guess when you look at him, you sort of start to think, you know, a little bit like an Ollie Wines type of player when he goes in the midfield, just that a genuine leader that, that provides a really good physical presence while he's in there as well. Yeah, amazing. I think come back from a knee Rico as well a couple of years ago. Just one last one, uh, Mick. This is from Mark. Uh, again, a player without notice, so no stress uh, if the if the thoughts don't come readily to mind. But he wanted to know about the Swans Academy prospect, Caden Cleary, in the Allies midfield. It was overshadowed by the two Tasmanian kids in the Allies team, Mark, saying here, but a very good athlete, contested ball winner. Thanks very much, Mark, up in Sydney. Yeah, he's what what I've got down when I this, when I've seen Caden Cleary play, he's a super fit specimen. Like when you watch this guy run out, he looks like the ultimate athlete. 182 centimeters, 79 kilos. Played six VFL games as well, and, mm. and averaged 18 disposals across those six games. Which, again, when you look at the way a player like Caden Cleary presents himself. Um, obviously the work he's put in, his ability to step up into into senior football's been um, been just seamless for him. He's very very good defensively, applies a lot of heat, and you know he got an invite to the national combine, um, so that that shows and tells me that I think uh, players needed about five nominations to get to to national combine level. So he certainly attracted a lot of attention and. Don't be surprised if, um, if if a bid comes on him at some stage over the period of night two. Yeah, we might even see him alongside Taylor Adams at the SCG uh, next year. Mick, a great pleasure to have you on as we, we count down to the draft. Uh, we'll cast our, our attention to another part of the field this time next week. But uh, a lot of fascinating text coming through as well. So appreciate your insights, mate. And we'll do it all again next week. No worries at all, mate. Look forward to it.